friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. This is Tim and Friends. That's Jesse Rubinoff. I'm Tim McAuliffe, and you are the friends. As is Craig Forrest, Alvin Williams, and Jets assistant captain Josh Morrissey, who will join me in the opening hour of the show. My guy leads the Jets in scoring, and he is a rear guard. He is a defenseman. He is a blue liner. And Jesse, they have they have pretty good players on that team. So I'm looking forward to this one. Little Norris buzz Ooh. for Josh Morrissey so far this year. Good for him. So he's, he's a big deal now. And he's gracing. Kind of sort of waited his turn on the blue line mm-hmm. in Winnipeg, right? Mm-hmm. They just have some pretty big names that yeah. have gone through that town on the blue line. It feels like it's Josh Morrissey's time with the Winnipeg Jets. Good player. And it's his time on Tim and Friends because he will join us Pumps. in this opening hour. Raptors, big game on the network tonight. And I know what you're saying. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Is the Sacramento Kings. One, not really your dad, Sacramento Kings. Two, the Raptors have lost back-to-back games to Orlando and five of seven overall. Now, I don't want to overstate this, but it kind of feels like a lot will be determined about this edition, I'm being careful with my words here, about this edition of the Toronto Raptors over the next couple weeks, Jesse, and if they aren't careful here, the next couple of days. Uh, We will discuss more of that in First Things First. Uh, Can I also address something? Your dad's Sacramento Kings, uh, depending on... The, the age situation. Right. We're actually pretty sick. Like, Paige Stoyakovich, Doug Vladi Christie, Vladi Divac, Mike Bibby. How young is your dad? 62. <laughs> That's not your dad's. Mm, uh, <laughs> That's your I team. I got him into the NBA. That's a your boy. team. <laughs> That's and even team. then, yeah. it lasted like oh, those, two years. Those Lakers series, the Western oh, Conference yeah. Final. Ooh, those the just, Queens. Yeah. Yeah, remember Sacramento that? Queens. That wouldn't fly in Jack, 2022, I'll tell you that not. much. Absolutely not. Uh, so second half of back-to-backs for Sacramento. We will get you the latest news and updates. And there are a few for this Raptors team over the next 90 minutes of edutainment. We'll also get to the Leafs' third shutout in four games. The Toronto Maple Leafs. Best team in the league. Third shutout over four games. We're going to walk down that road again. The Oilers' top line. Put in a little bit of work last night as yeah, well, Jesse. We might walk down that road, too. <laughs> Ovi's 800th and an all-Canadian doubleheader on Scotiabank Wednesday night. Hockey, Habs, Sens, Flames, and Canucks all on deck. But it all starts with Jesse Rubinoff and the aptly named First Things First. So let's get ready to rumble Bismack Biombo. Oh, I like it. Giddy up. First Things First. first. And we'll get to uh, Ruby in a oh, flash. Oh, fine. All right. Fine. You want to do soccer? <laughs> no, are you taking it? You sure? No. You no. sure? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. All right. Uh, <laughs> second World Cup uh, semifinal wrapping up a short time ago. Argentina awaiting France or Morocco in the final. France looking to reach a second straight final after winning it all in 2018. Morocco trying to take that fairy tale run all the way to the final. Unreal. First African nation in the semis and a little familiarity. Killing Mbappe, Ashraf Hakimi. PSG teammates, you don't see that very often before a game. A little Canadian connection there as well, but five minutes in, France pounces.
Theo Hernandez, first opposition player to score against Morocco at the World Cup. Canada got one. It was an own goal. And in the 10th minute, Hugo Lloris is forced to make a diving save as this appears headed to the bottom corner. 17th minute, long ball ahead. Olivier Giroud lashes and finds the post behind Bono, the Canadian. 44th minute, off the Moroccan corner. It's Jawad El Yamik goes for what could have been the goal of the tournament. Struck well, also struck woodwork, and France hanging on to a 1-0 lead at the break. Another opportunity for the Moroccans. This Konate, great sliding tackle to keep the ball away from his net. And in the 79th minute, after a lot of work from the Moroccans, Bappe again. This time it's blocked and it sides to Randall Colomwani. Just subbed on less than a minute after his substitution. He buries the rebound. France 2-0 winners in this one. So Sunday's final will be two of the Blue Bloods. Literally, France and Argentina, the defending champs against Lionel Messi, looking to put the ultimate capper on his incredible career. 35-year-old confirmed yesterday that the final will be his last World Cup game. Get your popcorn ready, Jesse Rubin. We'll deal with the last World Cup game. And listen, there have been many who have retired from international football well before the age of 35. But Lionel Messi versus France, as mentioned, Blue Bloods going toe-to-toe after a pair of fairy tales end here in the semifinals. And let's be honest here. Morocco, after a goal scored in the fifth minute, like less than five minutes into this game, could have folded like a cheap seat. Hadn't been scored on other than the old goal. And they did not. They gave France everything that they could handle. They weren't intimidated by any side in this tournament. And it shows. Yesterday I gave the standing ovation to Modric and Croatia. Like full marks to Morocco for what they are able to pull off in this tournament. And I'm doing that alone apparently. No, no full, full <laughs> marks to Morocco. I mean, that was uh, just a fantastic performance. Uh, I'm just thinking about the, the two different... Yeah. Oh, okay, I didn't know you were going there. Okay. Wow, we were clapping. All right. Um, I'm just thinking about the two different paths that Argentina, Argentina and France have taken. Mm-hmm. It feels like Argentina had that loss against Saudi Arabia. We talked about it yesterday. Yeah. But they've sort of ramped up since then. Correct. And France, really, it seems like they haven't skipped a beat since the last World Cup at, at really any point here. Yeah, and... That's kind of sort of amazing to look at these numbers here and understand that they're missing like two absolutely world-class players, maybe three Mm -hmm. absolutely world-class players from their squad for the entire tournament. Like the depth, that's what the difference is between a Croatia and a Morocco is that they have to play at their absolute best. And you'll find others who can do things on teams like Argentina whether it's uh, it's your boy Julian, whether it's a, a sub off the bench for France, giving them the breathing room that they needed. I know it was all created by Mbappe, but that's what felt like the difference between the two is yeah. that both Argentina and France had talent littered through the lineup where you kind of sort of knew where it had to come from, from Morocco or Croatia. No question. 
So France looking to become the first back-to-back champs at a World Cup, a men's World Cup, since 1962, mm-hmm. which is a crazy statistic. And obviously the headline stat when it comes to Argentina is Messi is looking for his first World Cup. You saw the odds there. Pretty even, about as even as it can get. Yeah. Uh, who do you have in the final on Sunday? I, uh, it's crazy that France is in this world looking for the double um, because it's so hard. Just ask Italians how hard it is to repeat, let alone qualify, yeah. and France is on the verge of this. I just feel like there is a little, there is a little destiny, literally, uh, in Messi, right? Like, and I'm saying the little is the yeah. literally, Got yeah, it. a yeah. little destiny. I feel like he's on a mission and will not be stopped. And if you had to ask me at the start of the tournament, I didn't think that France could get here. I didn't think without Benzema and without really? Pogba that they could get to this point. I knew they were a quality side. I just didn't think that missing that much talent on this team, they could still do what they're doing. Uh, so who knows if I'm completely and utterly wrong about France. Uh, I just feel like there's this, there's this fate that is bringing Messi to this point. Um, you know, lauded by some for his entire career being one of, if not the greatest ever, and never having that international trophy. Now the Copa America, which he just added, and potentially a World Cup would add to the argument, no matter who you put in that conversation, whether it's Eusebio, whether it's Georgie Best, or whether it's guys that have done what he's attempting to do in Pelé or Maradona, he's up there with them if he gets this World Cup. Well, it certainly feels like people who don't have a horse in the race here want to see that happen. And on the flip side, yes. if France wins, it's almost like a, a passing of the torch from Messi to the guy behind you in the, in the picture, Mbappe. Yeah, that's hard to argue, man. Yeah. That, guy, that guy, you forget how young he it's is. Ridiculous. That's why I'm laughing. Feels like, like he's been around forever. Yeah, yeah, he, because he has. He's just still very young and very talented. Very, very talented. So it's going to be fun on Sunday. But I do have a question for you. Uh, I know we were off uh, Thursday, Friday last week. Did did I see you at the World Cup? Like, I got to take. I got you. I need you to take a look at this. No, no, I went to. Whether you were there or not. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah, let's just take a look. What? Where's Nyland? That's Dutch fan. Oh. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, no, no, that's a, <laughs> a long trip for Thursday, yeah, Friday, no, I, Saturday, I, I, Sunday. That's two keeping legends right there. That's yeah. Edward Vanderzaar and Tim McAuliffe, apparently. Very good. Is very, that very like good. a twin or is that just baldism? Like every bald dude with glasses, someone tweets into the show well, you can, and I, says, that's me. You contribute to it because every time we have, uh, you know, a bald person with glasses on the show, you allude to it and how good looking they are. And so it's your fault. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut your mouth. That's so good. Craig Let's Forrest coming up a little bit later, and we'll ask him uh, all about Messi and all about Mbappe. And all right. An exciting final to be had on Sunday, no doubt. Meanwhile, to He was good looking, though, whatever. Yeah, well, I agree. Uh, let's continue on first things first with the Toronto Maple Leafs, who extended their point streak to 15 games last night with a 7 nothing blowout win over the uh, AHL's Anaheim Ducks. Mitch Marner had two assists. Trevor Zegers, line one, bridge. Jesse Rubinoff. Yeah, well, they got some good players. Oh, wow. Sometimes there's guys, you know, doing rehab in the AHL and stuff, so. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, franchise record point streak uh, to 23 games for Mitch Marner. And Ilya Samsonov made 28 saves for a second straight shutout. We've seen this team have success in the regular season before, but are the least different this year? I do not know yet, but the way that they are playing defensively should give Leaf fans a little bit of hope because you do, I don't care what anyone says, and I can feel you're looking at me, Jesse. This is a pivot. It's not a pivot. It's a little bit of a pivot. It's not a pivot. It's not a pivot at all. You sow the seeds that you reap in the playoffs 
Fair. during the regular season. And I have always said that. I will say this. The gamble that Kyle Dubas made mm -hmm. on his job in Toronto with Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov is paying off handsomely right now. And listen, if I had told you at the start of the year that Ilya Samsonov and Matt Murray would be littered all over the goals against and save percentage lists, you would have told me I would be absolutely crazy. No, no but question. that's where they are, and that's my question here, is I'm going to give the Leafs a bunch of credit for winning a bunch of different games, a bunch of different ways that I didn't know that they had it in them. Mm -hmm. But is this just goaltending? I'm going to give you some numbers. Goals against leaders last 15 games, all of hockey. Mm -hmm. Toronto Maple Leafs are tops on that list at 187, ahead of the Boston Bruins. Now, goals saved above expected leaders. That is how good their goaltenders are playing over the last 15 games, which happens to be their point streak. The number is 12.9, more than double any, a little bit less than double anyone else. That's a good statistic. I'll give you that. That's a very good statistic. But I don't think it's just goaltending now, uh, even but, in spite of that stat. Um, well, what else could it be? It can be great team play. I mean, it doesn't just not just, okay, so it's not just Marner. It's but that's not what just goals, the, I need to explain this. That's yeah. what goals above expected is trying to track. Mm -hmm. It's how many opportunities are given up like this where you make the save. Mm -hmm. And what it's telling you is the Leafs have been almost double anyone else just between the pipes. No, it's definitely impressive. And there, I mean, there's a reason why Samsonov is where he is and Murray is where he is. They've been great. There's no question about it. They have been great. But they scored seven five-on-five five goals last night. Like a team that's not playing well or not playing as well as we think doesn't score seven five-on-five five goals. Like, they are finding ways to win night in, night out. They didn't have a great first period yesterday. Yeah, but we've seen them score seven five-on-five five goals before, and they haven't made it past the first round. I, I mean, I'm not... I'm not going to sit here and say that this team is different from a playoff perspective. No, no. I'm, what I'm saying is that we have seen this. Like, I don't know if the Kerfoot couple of goals, the Ingvall couple of points, yeah. the Timmons couple of points. Sure. Like That's not going to happen all the time for the no. Toronto Maple Leafs. But you have seen them score in bunches a lot mm -hmm. during this run of Marner and Matthews mm -hmm. at all. What the difference for me is how they're playing defensively and if when they face, because let's be honest here, look at the standings. The first round matchup is still the Tampa Bay Lightning. The second round matchup is the NHL leading Boston Bruins. If you hope to have any success, you have to win by playing defense as well because we've already seen the offense push out. So I... I I tend to disagree with you a lot on the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I don't mean to, mm -hmm. but I've seen all of these acts before, including a 7-0 game against the Ducks, and I'm not going to nitpick a win and seven goals and looking dominant. I'm just telling you I've seen that before. I haven't seen the holy bleep, it's not just Jack Campbell, during this run of 15 games, it has been Murray, it's been Samson, it's been Shalgren. Mm -hmm. Right? So can they defend like that all of the time, or is it just goalies standing on their heads? And if you look across the NHL and you see all the hot teams, you'll see a very hot goaltender or two between the pipes Usually for them. Usually the case. And, yeah, and sometimes that can oversimplify things, 
but also show you exactly when it matters most, yeah. what you're going to need. And I don't know if the Leafs have a difference when it matters most. I do know that Matt Murray has been there, mm-hmm. done that in mm-hmm. the postseason, and he won't be rattled by it if he's healthy and playing like this. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to argue with the, the point of can they do it when it matters most, 100%, but just based on the, the facts that you see in front of your face at this current moment, back-to-back shutouts for Samsonov, Three, and three four shutouts the, in the last three, four games. Three and four games. Yeah. I mean, at that at that point, just looking at the the facts and the way that they're playing, they certainly seem committed to playing right. the defense that it takes at this current time. Whether that's sustainable, the goals that's a the goals above expected leaders would suggest to you that it might not be sustainable. Yeah. So let's see if that drops down and they're still winning games like this. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's when I'll start saying that those seeds are the ones that you need. That is a, but, a healthy discussion. But as of right now, you're right. Okay. just scares me a little bit. Right, the I'll, take it. Both the I'll take it. Um, and I think, <laughs> remember the, uh, the tweet about the, the top four that we sent out and then we addressed here on the show, the top four of the Leafs, are they the best top four in the league? Right. Do you think the Edmonton Oilers top line <laughs> saw that tweet? Because oh I know God. the social media team for the Oilers did, and they responded. They responded, But did the yeah. top line or top four for the Oilers see it? Because they were ridiculous last night. They were absolutely. Uh, for those who didn't see it, they scored all six goals. Hyman with the hat trick. Dreisaitl, uh, two, three, and five. McDavid, one, three, and four. He now has 24 points in his last 10 games against Nashville. And the mayor of Nashville, Dreisaitl, like this is ridiculous. 30 points in his last 11 games versus Nashville. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's, and it's not, it's not much different against everybody else. Like McDavid has, in his last 10 games, 10 goals, 14 assists. He now has 59 points in 30 games. Dreisaitl has 20 points in his last 10 games. Like, the, the one thing that I will go to on this team as well, because there's no disputing that this top line is the best in hockey right now, is that, and I don't know how you change that if you just add one more guy to it, but whatever, <laughs> uh, is that Jack Campbell had the first shot go by him. And it was a deflection, and it was tough, and it could have been the end. His team bailed him out, and he bailed himself out because he settled in 29 saves. For that team, this guy is really, really important. Yeah. And if he can get going to the point where we saw him at the start of last year, and we have the exact same conversations about the Toronto Maple Leafs when Jack Campbell was hot last year, then this team is better. But he's not there yet. Was yesterday a step? We'll see in the next little while. It's just hard to believe how much the Oilers can just turn it up. Like well, when they decide they want to do it, especially particularly McDavid and Drysaddle, it's like nothing we've seen thing? in a very long time. But isn't that the same thing that we just talked about with the Leafs? That they can, we know they can score. It's whether or not they can keep oh, out yeah. of their own. Yeah, night. I mean, but yeah. even the even the Leafs, even more streaking. Like, it's not on the but, level. Oh, of I McDavid see what you're saying. I see. Yeah, 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 I see what you're saying. So what you're saying it's is like four points a night is allow kind of, kind of allow ridiculous. ourselves to have our jaw drop by all this. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Like, I McDavid's completely agree. One point nine seven points per game right. this season. Like it's it's a, it's absolutely absurd. We can completely agree. It's on absurd. All that. Yeah. Uh, uh, good for the Oilers and their fans. Um, and speaking of putting up uh, a lot of points, Alexander Ovechkin became yeah. the third player in NHL history to reach the 800-goal mark last night, and he did it in style, scoring three goals for his 29th career hat-trick in a 7-3 win over the Blackhawks in Chicago. Centers in front. Kuznetsov had the shot. Loose and puck. there it Center is. Yeah! Alexander Ovechkin. 
You have just witnessed the 800th goal for Alex Ovechkin. Only the third player in National Hockey League history to reach that mark. Well, how impressive is what Ovechkin's doing at the age of 37 years old? Okay, you don't get to 800 without having some ridiculous numbers. Is this the most ridiculous of the ridiculous? This is his 18th consecutive 20-goal season. His 18th <laughs> consecutive 20-goal season, and he did it in 30 games. So the math on Ovi is that his goals per game at the age of 37 is 0 0.65. At 37, do you know what his career goals per game is? Tell me, tell me. 0 0.61. He is averaging more goals per game at 37 than he has the rest of his career. And his career started with an absolute bang. Somebody wants the record. So he's 94 goals back now of tying Gretzky at 0 0.16, excuse me, 0 0.61 goals per game. As I mentioned, he would need to play 154 more games to score 94 goals. 51 games left this season, assuming he plays them all. He would need 103 more, which is the 82-game season of next year, plus 21 games of the next year. Slam dunk, is it not? It, it, I mean, listen. Anything can happen. He's got to stay healthy. Knock on wood, yeah. stay healthy, all those things. But if he it, stays it, healthy, it's... It appears as though... jammed on. It's pretty damn close <laughs> to breaking what we thought was the unbreakable record. It's absolutely remarkable. Yeah. And, uh, and you tweeted about Ovi reaching uh, 800 last night. But uh, unfortunately, not everybody is happy with it. Uh, Iceman writing in, congrats to uh, Putin's little puppet. So do you think that we need to address this because there was a lot of this going around on the socials last night. Yeah, th these are these are really hard things to come out here every day and even when you tweet to try and separate things. And, and I know it's the right thing to do to acknowledge it. Uh, I don't know how many times I've said on this show that sunlight is the greatest disinfectant. Mm -hmm. I firmly believe it. I, I don't watch Alexander Ovechkin for his political connections. I can separate. I, I don't know the flawless hero. This one may be a little bit different from the flawless hero. Uh, and I think I see the paradox. You know, I certainly understand those who cannot separate and will absolutely leave room for them to express themselves. I do, I do think it's remarkably difficult these days to understand the hypocrisy of sports and politics but not be paralyzed by mm -hmm. it, right? Like, otherwise we wouldn't watch the World Cup. That's exactly right. Or the Olympics or a lot of American football. Like, I've used this quote a couple times now on the show, but the cognitive dissonance, the battle between your beliefs and your actions is becoming harder and harder when it comes to sports as we learn more and more about how the sports are broken down, mm -hmm. how the cookie is crumbled. But understanding that tension of duality, the discomfort of it all, is how you overcome it. Barack Obama, who, if you're open-minded enough to pay attention, no matter what your political leaning, was forced to try and understand that tension of duality. And he said it's both possible and necessary to see the paradoxes, the ambiguities, the gray areas, and the absurdities, but not to be paralyzed by them. I try to remember that a lot these days. Listen, I think it's ridiculous that Ovi still has a profile on IG with a picture of him and Putin. But I'm also not ignorant enough to that act like I know what kind of pressure is on him or his family. Mm -hmm.
And thankfully, I'm in that spot. Like, that is privilege that I don't have to think about things that he does when doing things like that. I've read Emily Kaplan on the position that Ovi is in. I have read Slava Malamud and understand his position if you have the time. I suggest that you read them both and make your own opinion on whether or not we dive into things like that here on Tim and Friends or beyond while watching sports just as fans. As usual, very well said. I try. It's not easy. And honestly, like, you and I could have this conversation. We could have the conversation about France's colonial past. Like, have people already forgotten about the Iranian football team Mm -hmm. that went out there and supported their sisters, their mothers, their daughters? Like, where are they in the news every day? Like, the hypocrisy it goes into having to cover these things every day and picking and choosing what to talk about is very, very hard. And it does does weigh on me, Mm -hmm. and I hope that we do the right thing more often than we don't on Tim and Friends. Yeah, I I mean, I think... Your point about the news cycle makes it that much more difficult, too, because sometimes things are incredibly popular to talk about. Right. And then they sort of fade into the back and you have to decide, you know, what what time, what do you have time for? Like, that's the reality. Right. And unfortunately, stuff fades away and people forget about it. And now that Ovechkin is chasing this record, this is now back in the forefront. Yeah. And I understand, like, like, we try and do it when it's important and when we feel strongly about something yes, for on sure. this show. for sure. Uh, but we also know that we miss a thing or two along the way. Everybody it's does. Just, it's very hard because we're doing sports. 100%. Right <laughs> yeah. All right, let's uh, continue on with sports. So let's go to basketball. The Raptors are back in action tonight as they host the Sacramento Kings like the beam on Sportsnet 1. OG Ananobi will miss his second straight game with a hip injury and he's expected to be out for at least another week. The Raptors are coming off two straight losses to the Orlando Magic and have dropped below the 500 mark for the first time since they were one and two. Does this team need a wake-up call? Yes. And I'm going to ask Alvin Williams what that wake-up call could be when he joins us a little later on Dramatic. because I'm not sure what it is. They've already put Scotty Barnes to the bench. I know. I don't, I don't know what the next wake-up call for this team is, but they're going to need one soon. So Al is going to join us from Scotiabank Arena with his thoughts on the Raptors. The Jets' Joss Morrissey on his incredible start to the season, and the Jets' pretty good start as well. And after the break, Craig Forrest in studio as we break down France's semifinal win and their matchup against Argentina. Different friends on a Wednesday. Let's go, kids. Just Argentina. This is so surreal right now. This is absolutely incredible. And the streak goes on. Mitch Carter, 23 consecutive games as Tavares catches his 18th of the year. McDavid scores coast to coast, beating Lankinen. A brilliant maneuver. I think he should be in the Norse conversation. This guy is for real. Amazing to see his progression. Welcome back, friends. In case you missed it, World Cup final is set. France withstood a huge challenge for Morocco, winning today's semi 2-0, setting up Sunday's date with Argentina. All eyes, Lionel Messi looking for his first World Cup title and Argentina's first since 1986. France looking to become the first back-to-back winner since Brazil won two straight 
1962, well before the time of my next guest, Sportsnet <laughs> Soccer Insider, co-host of the Footy Prime Podcast. Not long. Craig Forrest joins me in studio. What's going on, Craig? How are you, man? I'm good. How are you? I am good. Well, we've got a final here. Like, I want to – I gave standing ovations to Croatia and moreover Luka Modric, who is one of my favorite players of all time, even though I don't have a, a lick of Croatian blood in me. Yeah. Just the ability that he has. And Morocco, who, after conceding that early goal, I thought were real good. But we got our Fesla final here. Yeah, I thought they were really good too because yeah. I thought the floodgates might open. Yeah. But just as we've seen in this whole tournament, that was only the second goal they conceded. The other one was against Canada, which was an own goal. So they, they're very resilient. Even with all the knocks and injuries that they had, they end up coming out there and putting on a really good performance. And the defender overhead kick hits the post, and they came really close at the end of that first half. So I was kind of pulling for them to see if they could actually do it because they've been just absolutely magnificent in this tournament. But the quality of the French, two shots on net, two goals. Bang. <laughs> right. And, and that's the difference here, right? Like, it's it's taking your opportunities and making the most of them and the beauty almost of the game right where the goal is so precious yeah exactly uh i mean he got a little bit fortunate because mbappe actually takes he he does brilliantly well here Um, and when you create get into those positions you see the attention that he attracts from everybody else right and the deflection goes to him but you get what you you deserve through a football well actually not always what you deserve (laughs) but it was it was it it was a you know it just shows the quality and i remember all the players that they're missing there's a whole bunch of them four or five very key players that are missing in that french squad among others yeah Yeah, there's big names Yeah. yeah amazing so they have some depth there no question about it so what do you like uh, when, we, when we look down at the final on, on Sunday? Well, quite honestly, I mean, it's amazing because Mbappe, 23, could have two World Cups in, in, by Sunday, which is incredible. And by the end of his career, what are we talking about? And then you got Messi, who hasn't won the World Cup, but he really, truly deserves it, if anybody deserves it. Um, he does. He's been absolutely phenomenal internationally, club football. We just enjoy watching him play for the last nearly 20 years and he just has looked his very very best and he hasn't done so much for Paris you know when that club has been been led really by Mbappe who's on the French side so the two teammates are going to be up against each other Um, so a lot of lot of actual you know brilliance in that team and individual brilliance that have really carried this uh, this uh, Argentina side who have only given up we talk about offense they've only given up eight shots on net Unfortunately, five of them have found the back of that. They've been very good finishes, even going back to Saudi Arabia, two right. shots, two goals. But they, they don't give up an awful lot. They're very, very difficult to beat. They don't play brilliant, like, magic football, but it's uh, it's effective, and they have the, the magician up front that can change games. All Messi. right, so we gave the love to the entire team, and we gave the love to how much they've mm-hmm. grown since that Saudi Arabia game. i got to ask you the million-dollar question that is, do you have Messi as your GOAT already? Do you believe in the conversation? And if you do, does he go over the top with a World Cup win? Uh, probably. Uh, I don't like to get involved. I have been involved in that debate before, and you'll always have that debate no matter what. It's not like all of a sudden all the Ronaldo fans are going to say, yeah, that's it. Messi's the best ever. <laughs> right, you know, not, so it's never going away. Not going away. And Maradona and Pelé right. and on and on it goes. But one thing's for sure, from his perspective, he's won it all if he wins the World Cup. Right. Amazing. He wins Champs Leagues. He wins a Copa America. And Club the World Cup. Yeah. The knock on him was he didn't Olympics. have any international titles, right? Yeah, that's right. He had the Olympics, but that's yeah. been under 23 since 90. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a, since the 90s, yeah, for men. And it will change for the women, too. Uh, once that, They don't want two. FIFA don't want two world champions like they had with the Olympics and the, and the World Cup. They don't need the Olympics. 
So that's why they went to U23 men. Right. But the women's game, as it develops, that's why they've kept it full international for now. And it should do for the next couple cycles anyway. Okay, so who's your greatest of all time? I'm not saying, I'm not going to give it I'm just saying, I can't, I can't. Just, tell, just tell me that. That's fine. I'm yeah. good with that. Are you, are you an old school guy, though? Did you put Maradona? Because this, I understand that there is like this recency bias that we do with all sports. I work on them all, yeah. and we do this thing where whoever's hot at the moment, that becomes the GOAT, mm. when in actuality, if you watch the other guy play, all of his, like yeah. Michael Jordan releases a documentary and everyone goes, oh, right, he's the GOAT, right? True. And it's yeah. just, it's kind of what we do here. So if you're old school, I don't mind. If you think it's Pele or Maradona or you think Georgie Best, just yeah, because right. he didn't get yeah. a chance to play internationally yeah, yeah. on a powerful side, I'm good with yeah. all that. Yeah, as well, playing yeah. you know, for Liberia, never was going to get there. Although his son plays for the United States, he played well. But I think from an offensive ball at your feet, running at defenders, Messi, scoring goals, out and out, the best we've ever seen. But if you're going to play all in all, in all where you, if you could play, I think you could play Ronaldo in every position on the pitch. Right. That's, that's kind of the difference, I think, between the two. And Ronaldo, that's that dominant conversation that we had, where I have a yes. bunch of Portuguese friends who are now hedging this, and it says Ronaldo's the most dominant player of all time. And he's everywhere he's gone, like all the leagues he's gone, he's won. Right. Messi's predominantly won everything at Barcelona, right? Correct. So, okay, so. There's that too. Before I let you go <laughs> on easy uh, street here by not saying a goat. <laughs> How about this one? Two teams from Canada's group makes the semifinals. And as we try and figure out Canada's place in the world, and we have this very small sample size against some of the very yeah. best in the world, um, I thought that that told you a little something. A lot of folks thought that I was nonsensical for thinking that told you a little something, which I'm okay yeah. with because, again, we don't have the small, we don't have the huge sample size. Does it say anything about Canada that Croatia and Morocco from the group mm -hmm. went to the semifinals in oh, Europe? Oh, I believe it does. I mean, if you put a bet on that happening, that two out of that group F would have made it to the semifinals. And Belgium wasn't going to be one of them. You'd have gotten an awful lot of uh, money for it. Um, yeah, the quality of the group is certainly evident. And it also teaches you a lot about, you know, tournament football is one of the, we talk about fine lines, you know. and. You know, Alfonso missing the penalty against Belgium. They end up getting, they end up losing that game. Right. Um, even the game against Morocco, Milan, who stood on his head the entire qualifications. You know, two soft goals or one anyway, and defensively poor. They put themselves behind it, and then they took Morocco on like no other team has done in that second half that we've seen, where they just put them on an awful lot of pressure and hit the crossbar. You know, yeah. so I think there's a lot of it to be hopeful for, and also just to understand just you know tournament football and that, that those fine lines like the French today, two chances, goals, like, right. and that's just the difference between the top and the rest. What will you remember this tournament for? Um. I think it's just the brilliant football that we've seen. Yeah. You know, I think some of those rule changes like you've seen, you know, before the goal kick yeah. and how they're keeping possession from the back and goalkeepers yeah. basically having like 700% more touches than they did uh, in a World Cup four years ago. Right. The game's changed an awful lot. Like it really has evolved. And I think yeah. with no the, more hoofing it up there, you play it out. Well, sure, and then and also pitch technology, yeah. right? These are all these you know these hybrid pitches that have about ten percent, eleven percent plastic in them, so they're immaculate. Back in my day, you're, you pass it to a defender and it jumps up and hits in the knee. You, you didn't want to play in your area, so right. that, that also created a very direct game of football that was pretty ugly to watch, to be honest. <laughs> Every once in a while, uh, this wasn't yeah. ugly to watch. I hope, Craig Forrest. Yeah. Thanks for dropping by. I always appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. If you're not listening to the Footy Prime podcast, you're doing football wrong. At least in this country, he's one of the hosts. When we come back, 
We will flip gears. Jets leading scorer this season, Josh Morrissey, will join us to discuss how he's doing it and how the Jets are doing it under Rick Bonus. Josh Morrissey, assistant captain, Jets, live next on Tim and Friends. Josh Morrissey has been shot out of a cannon to start this season. Just playing with a lot of confidence for sure. Josh Morrissey in overtime! Scores! Game over! Game, set, match! There is nothing that Josh Morrissey, in my opinion, isn't elite at, and it's all because of what he has between the years. So intelligent. Morrissey for the win! Scores! He's done it again! Josh Morrissey, flames coming off his blades. He puts this one on ice. He is doing it at both ends of the ice. He can also lay the body of Josh Morrissey, leading the way in so many different ways. I think he should be in the Norse conversation. This guy is for real. Amazing to see his progression. Some Norris chatter, 18-9-1, Jets off to a start not many saw coming this year. Big part of that, their leading scorer, 30 points faster than any D-man in franchise history. Josh Morrissey joins us now from the car. Josh, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate your time. Uh, great to be on with you. All right, listen, uh, let, let's get past last night, which felt like a a road hockey game that I played as a kid when we just said next goal wins okay next goal win no no this time next goal wins I realized that wasn't the ideal so aside from last night how happy are you guys with the start that you had yeah I mean aside from last night as you said um you know I, I think it's been a great start for us um we uh you know didn't have the season last year that we wanted to um you know we felt that we had a a lot better team, um, you know, in our locker room than, than how we showed and how we played. And, um, you know, the end result was missing the playoffs, coaching change. And, um, you know, I, I think for us, uh, you know, we, we looked internally as a group of players this offseason to see, you know, how we could, um, you know, kind of right the ship. And certainly the new coaching staff that's come in, uh, Bones and, and, and his entire staff has just been awesome, put in a, a plan for us that I think, um, we believe in we can we think we can succeed with and um, you know we're, we're buying in uh, you know throughout our lineup and that's you know and also getting great goaltending so when you have all those things happening um, you know we, we've been off to a great start but it's only going to get harder from here and we've got to keep getting better. You mentioned the buy-in and and it's almost like um, when people say when people are hired or you know a new captain is named or a guy gets traded to a new spot a lot of people say yeah we're, we're trying to change the culture and changing the culture is probably the most overused phrase in all of sports because it's the hardest thing to actually do how did you guys get the buy-in to make sure that you could make that change well I think um, again you know having the long off season that we did and being out of the playoffs, uh, you know, basically I, I think they left a sour taste in our mouth in the off season. Um, you know, it's one thing if you don't feel you have the, the roster or the team, but, um, you know, we haven't made many changes to our, our roster. We've added some key players, uh, um, you know, to our team this season, but, uh, you know, we didn't make any drastic changes of, of personnel in the, in the off season. So, um, you know, for us, I, I think it, it starts, uh, you know, with our, our leaders, um, you know, with, uh, uh, the coaching change and then throughout our entire group, we met as an entire group throughout training camp and in the summer about, um, you know, trying to, uh, 
you know, change some of the things that, that we felt we needed to change uh, as a group of players. And, um, you know, that that was really the plan. And, and so far, um, like I said, that buy-in's been there and we've just been having a lot of fun as a group. And, and then when you have the coaching staff that, um, you know, I think puts a, a system out there for us that we can really succeed with an aggressive uh, pressure uh, system uh, that suits our players, uh, we've been just having a lot of fun. What about you and your numbers? I mean, not just the points. You're five points away from your career high, and you got a few to play here uh, this season. But the ice time over 23 a game for the third straight season. What's been the biggest thing for you personally this year? Well, I think, uh, you know, I, I personally am playing with a lot of confidence. Um, the coaching staff, uh, as I've mentioned here a few times, has put in a system where our defense are a lot more aggressive and active. and um, jumping up in the play as, as an entire group back there. Um, you know, our forwards have done a great job of allowing us to do that. And so, um, you know, I think that systematical change has really uh, benefited. You know, I've benefited from that. I think it's a system that uh, um, brings out the best in my game. And, and then after that, um, you know, we have so many great players on our team. Uh, you give them the puck and you know, good things will happen. So, um, you know, playing with confidence, but getting to play, you know, with great players and, and being given the opportunity. And, um, you know, I'm just, just really enjoying and having a ton of fun playing the game. Did you feel like you kind of had to wait your turn? I mean, there's been some pretty good guys to go through Winnipeg on the blue line. Did, did you did you ever kind of lose your patience on, like, when is it going to be my turn to be that guy? Um, I mean, I think... I've always just felt like I'm, I try to get better every day and try to work on my game every day um, and work hard in the off season to, to keep adding layers and elements um, to my game. And certainly there's, um, you know, plenty of things I feel, you know, right now and every day that I can, can get better at and I'm working on currently, um, you know, I work with Adam Oates in the off season. And I think that, um, you know, he's done a, a ton for my game and, and the coaching staff this year as well. But uh as you mentioned, I think when I came into the team, some of the guys there, Dustin Bufflin, Tyler Myers, uh, Toby Enstrom, um, you know, there wasn't really a power play opportunity for me. And, uh, you know, maybe I had to wait a little bit before that. But, um, you know, now I'm just trying to take advantage of, of you know, the opportunity that uh, has been put in front of me. And uh, as I said, uh, regardless of, you know, minutes, ice time, situations, you know, my mentality has never changed. I'm just trying to get better and, and, and work on my game, which every guy can do. Right. Listen, I, I don't ask this lightly. I, I lost a brother at 16, and I think anyone who suffers loss is kind of forced into a reevaluation. But I know you lost your father. You lost your dad uh, last year before his time after a battle with cancer. How, how much did going through that in the prime of your career affect you as a person and as a hockey player? Yeah, it was, it was really hard. Um, you know, my dad and I were extremely close. Um, you know, he was a big reason, major reason why, you know, I ended up making it to the NHL and it was always, uh, you know, our dream together to, to have that happen. And, uh, you know, it was, it was challenging. I mean, it was throughout COVID. So, um, the, you know, anyone that, um, had people, you know, struggle with illness, uh, throw COVID. Sorry, the lights went off here in my car. I'm getting but, dark uh, in Winnipeg, understood. Um, it is, exactly. But uh, it is. it was challenging. Um, you know, it wasn't easy. And uh, certainly, um, you know, 
how he left uh, one of the last things he said to me just before his passing was uh you know he didn't want my brother and i to to sort of dwell and and you know kind of feel what was me and, and everything else because of what happened but you know continue to live our lives and go live our lives to the fullest and um you know last season uh and, and continue into this season as well i think i'm just enjoying you know the little thing more enjoying being at the rink being with the guys you know the the crowds in the arenas the different amazing arenas we get to play in and uh you know the whole element that is the nhl and i think just having more fun and, and like i said and you know kind of smelling the roses a little bit and uh so it wasn't easy it was definitely something that um you know i hope you know don't wish on anyone to have to go through or see someone they care about like that go through but uh i think it's it's made me stronger and um you know i'm trying to uh um you know i guess do do him right every day by enjoying my life and and going you know living my life to the fullest and, and just going after it on the ice and off the ice and and uh that's all I'm trying to do. Nice. So, sounds like a dude I would get along with, like a lifelong educator, a coach, basketball, hockey, Gonzaga. Um, do you still see it as advice in your game? <clears throat> yeah, definitely. I mean, my dad coached me a lot growing up, and uh, a lot of the things that he um, taught me and, and tried to work on us, uh, work with us on, was you know some footwork and and you know skating and um, all of that and. You know, he always just uh, loved when I competed hard and, and played the game hard. It didn't matter about anything else, uh, points or, or, you know, anything other than that. So, um, you know, I, I like I said, I, realistically, I know that, um, you know, he last got to see us play that, that bubble season. And uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, we couldn't uh, go past the second round when we lost to Montreal. But, um, you know, I take a lot of, uh, of, of happiness knowing that he got to watch season uh on tv and and get a lot of enjoyment out of those games and uh as i said i'm just uh really enjoying every day at the arena enjoying every day on the ice with the guys and you know it's always been my happiest place and uh, uh you know i think uh as i said smelling the rose a little bit more and um you know just uh just loving playing in nhl it's a it's a, definitely a privilege and something that i don't take for granted that's awesome man i, I say it a lot um perspective is oftentimes really expensive um and it takes a lot for you to get perspective but it sounds like you got a lot so congratulations on the start uh hopefully you guys get back to winning hockey real quick here and anytime you want to drop by uh when it's light out feel free to do it here on tim and friends okay uh sounds great next time i'll uh try to be in a better room <laughs> nah, better no problem. Problem. we're good <laughs> hey this is real life this is real drama it's tim and friends thanks for doing this josh Thanks, Tim. <laughs> there is Josh Morrissey from his car, pulled over on the side, and those who chirp Wi-Fi in Winnipeg wasn't half bad. Yeah, no, it wasn't, yeah, half, it wasn't half, half bad. Like, yeah, it is what it is. It gets dark. <laughs> yeah. It gets dark Actually, outside that, early now. That's more LTE than it is Wi-Fi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? it is. Yeah, yeah, that's working well, on your 5G. There's, there's, yeah, there's, there's Wi-Fi coming in cars soon, I think. Might even yeah, be some cars some have cars. it, but I think that you have to must subscribe nice. to it, and it is LTE. Yeah. yeah, that is definitely a must be nice. All right, listen, more hockey on the way as we visit rinks in Ottawa and Calgary coming up next. Plus, we had the Scotiabank Arena catch up with Alvin Williams as the Raptors try and right the ship against the King. Like that wouldn't have happened a couple of years ago. A with week. Technology. A week until the days get longer. One week. One week.
now time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much. Sheepdog's back here for a final half hour. Tim and friends will be joined by Alvin Williams shortly from Scotiabank Arena. Raptors taking on the Kings. You can see it on Sportsnet 1, plus a visit with Kyle Bukowskis and Ryan Leslie in the rinks. But first, let's reset the story from the World Cup. Semifinal number two going earlier today between France and Morocco. One of the two looking to join Argentina in Sunday's final. Who would it be? Would it be the dogs or would it be the favorites? Early on, it is all favorites. In fact, five minutes in, Kylian Mbappe's shot falls to Teo Hernandez. A leaping, sort of, kind of bison flea kick. If it was on the side, bicycle kick. This is the actual bicycle kick, and it comes awfully close. Yawad Al Yamik off the woodwork on what could have been the goal of the tournament, Jesse. Oh. France clinging to a 1 0 lead at the break, 79th minute. Mbappe shot blocked, and Randall Kolomuani, who just came on, taps it in. And France is able to capture a 2-0 victory over Morocco. They look to become the first team, or they do become the first team, since Brazil in 1998 to go back-to-back -back World Cup finals. They will look to become the first since Brazil in 62 to win back-to-back. All right, let's move on to hockey. All-Canadian doubleheader on Scotiabank. Wednesday night hockey, and it gets going with the Canadians and Sens in Ottawa. Injury issues for both teams in their last game. How about we go live, Ottawa, and get an update with plenty more. Our friend, Kyle Bukowskis. Kyle. Yeah, Tim, well, crisis avoided for Montreal, it appears. Cole Caulfield is good to go. No further damage. Ill effects after that hit he took from Trevor Lewis Monday night against Calgary. In fact, he was saying this morning, if not for the medical staff, he would have returned in that game against the Flames. He felt good yesterday, and he was out on the ice earlier for the team's morning skate. On top of that, Jonathan Drouin will return to the lineup here tonight as well. He has missed the last 13 games with an upper body injury. He has yet to score a goal here this season. On the Ottawa side, there they're feeling a sigh of relief as well, at least in a way, because DJ Smith announcing this morning that Tim Stutzla is out for at least a week with a shoulder injury, but he said there was no structural damage done. Like, there was a real fear here that this could have been much worse, especially when you consider that Ottawa already without Josh Norris at the center ice position as well. On top of that, Tyler Mott, he's going to be out for a week as well, but through all those injuries, kind of a neat story emerges here. We've got 27-year-old Jake Lucini of Trail BC. He's going to make his NHL debut here tonight. This is a guy who is undrafted, spent four years at Michigan Tech. This is his fifth year of pro, and he finally gets an opportunity, his first crack of the NHL here this evening, dressing for the Ottawa Senators. First meeting of the season between the Habs and the Sens. This is an easy one for Habs fans to travel to, and they always tend to bring out the best in the Sens fans. So we all benefit from the atmosphere that that provides. So plenty to look forward to here tonight at the CTC, Tim. Yeah, it's always fun. Montreal or Toronto and Ottawa, they always bring the crowd, and it puffs out the chest of those uh... Those folks in Ottawa, I'd love to see it. Thanks for doing this, Kyle, as always. My pleasure, Tim. There is Kyle Bukoskis in Ottawa. Back half of the double dip is the Flames hosting the Canucks in Calgary. That one gets going. 10 Eastern, 8 Mountain, 7 Pacific across the country as I do quick math in my head. But more on that one, let's send it to Ryan Leslie in Calgary, right?
Can the Flames return home for a couple of games, including tonight's game against the Vancouver Canucks? Calgary back at home after three games out east where they only picked up two of a possible six points on the road, but there were parts of their game that they really did want to build upon. You saw that game against Toronto on Saturday and Montreal on Monday. Now, that game against uh, the Canadians on Monday was an interesting one for a number of reasons, but a scary situation certainly surrounding Chris Tanev when he blocked that shot up high. He is not going to be in the game tonight, but he is listed as a day-to-day situation, according to Daryl Sutter. So they will have the services, however, of Mackenzie Weger. He missed last game due to illness and the upper body injury to Elias Lindholm. He will indeed be back in the lineup tonight for Calgary. Uh, Jacob Markstrom returns to the net. He was absolutely brilliant in that game against the Canadians in that four-on-three situation in overtime, standing on his head. He looks as though he has found his game. At the other end, you're going to see Spencer Martin get the start, 8-3-1 and one on his year so far, replacing Thatcher Demko, who is injured. And we can also tell you that Curtis Lazar, the former Flame, is going to be on the line with JT Miller and Bo Horvat. And speaking of Bo Horvat, obviously releasing his statement, of course, the pending free agent saying that he does not want to be discussing his situation going forward, and he is focused on playing this year with the Vancouver Canucks. His team Teammates, for their part, just say, we block out the noise and we give them our support. Tim? Easier said than done, though. Thank you very much, Ryan. More hockey coming up in game time. Meanwhile, Raptors desperate for a win. They host the Sacramento Kings tonight. You can see it on Sportsnet 1. Study with Raptors Central, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific. Raptors have lost 5 of 7, including 2 straight to the lowly Magic and will be without OG Ananobi for at least another week as he nurses a hip injury. Time now to discuss the Raptors and more with our friend Alvin Williams who joins me from Scotiabank Arena. What's going on Al? How are you buddy? What's up my brother? How are you? I I am very well. I I was saying off the top of the show that I feel like this is a big game and a big couple weeks uh, for the Toronto Raptors. A team sitting at at 13 and 14. I know it's early and I love having you on because you shoot, shoot me straight as you always have. I feel like this could get away if they aren't careful. You've been in it. Does it feel that way to you, or do you look at it differently? Hell, for first of all, this is a huge game. That's why I brought the turtleneck out, baby. <laughs> yeah, Bring the turtleneck it. out. It's time to ball. So that, that, that's what it's all about. But it's, I think more importantly, it's one of those games where you start hearing a lot of chatter. And one thing you don't want – and the players, they, they try not to hear the chatter, and it, it depends on your locker room and the makeup of your team. You ignore all of those things. But the biggest thing is getting back to basics, getting back to who you are. I think this team was built on being a heck of a defensive team, having the ability to be versatile, guarding the perimeter, switch, using their length, their athleticism, their anticipation skills, and they're not like just playing at that level. Shooting is going to be highlighted, of course, because that's where you see the immediate result. And the NBA is based off of shooting and three-point shooting in particular. But I think this team, in order to get back on track, it has to start on that defensive end. And they have to start focusing more on the defensive end, not just from an energy standpoint, but from a technical standpoint and just an all-being-together standpoint. Okay, so there are some significant injuries here. Uh, Otto Porter Jr. hasn't played basically the entire season. Precious has been out for a while. Now we hear OG's going to miss some time. How much does that mess with the team trying to find the groove that you're talking about? 
No, it does. It does because you're always looking for that chemistry, and chemistry comes in different ways, but you all have to be together. It can't be one player in, one player out, or two players in and another player. You have to find, and if you don't have that, then the bench, that's when the bench steps in. But it's still very difficult when you're missing key pieces as an OG and the precious. And when you brought a free agent in and, and, and Porter, and Otto Porter to be that outside shooter, that experienced guy. So it definitely messes with your team chemistry. It messes with how you go about games and things like that. So, but once again, the others have to step up. You hear that? You hear the lingo like you know, next man up. It has to be that way. It just can't be taught. It has to be that way. But once again, it starts being together, and it starts on the defensive end because that's the one thing you can always control throughout a game. Okay, so you and I agree on that. Like, if you play hard defense, you're going to give yourself a chance in a lot of games. But they have been shooting it like me, Al, and you have seen my jump shot. It is not pretty. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how, like, how can you fix that in the middle of a season? It just, is it just a slide? Do they need more shooting? Is that what Otto Porter was going to bring? Because you can't win many games the way they're shooting the rock right now. No, it's going to be tough. I mean, once again, you say you give yourself a chance to, to compete and be in games from the defensive side, but you do have to put the ball in the basket. In order to put the ball in the basket, it's going to come, once again, in different ways and different people. You have to get inside. You have to get it different ways. But you can also, right, get out in transition. You can get to the free throw line. It's not always the three-point shot, although it's critical because it's only the three-point shot is not only there for the points production, it gives your team spacing. It gives someone like Pascal Siakam the opportunity to get inside the middle and not have that much help. Right. He has to go against defenses. So the three-point three shot is critical. But once again, every team that has their struggles going up and down with the shot, you just hope, hope it doesn't stay that long of a struggle. But you have to rely on other things. But you definitely start, have to start knocking the three-point shot out. But if you don't have that, you can't just sit there and say, all right, we don't have shooting. You have to figure out other ways to put points on the board. All right, Al, uh, this might be a tough one. Do you have any bleeping clue why they look so good at home and so terrible on the road? Hey, it's the home fans. I, I mean, that's the simple answer, but I, I don't, man, because once you get to this level, some people perform better on the roads. They used to say rookies perform better at home and things like that. I have no clue what makes a team generate the energy in different places. I think ultimately when you have a good team and you hear it over and over again, good team, they win on a road. They beat the teams that they're supposed to beat, right? And we've seen in the past, the Raptors have been very successful on the road. Once again, they've always had a strong defensive output. They had players and they still do have players that's going to compete to the end and they have a focus. That's the biggest thing. Hopefully at home, they can still make, make sure they take advantage of it and get a win tonight and then start picking it up and hope some momentum roll over when they're on the road again. Hey, hey, for a while I was trying to say this ain't your pops kings that are coming to town here tonight to face the Raptors. Then they get beat by New York and give up 80 points in the first half to Philly last night. Are these guys ready yet in Sacramento or is there still some grooming that needs to take place? No doubt it's still grooming. You know, when, when you have the talent, when you start, you know, producing some wins, now it's learning how to win. It's always another step and it's another phase. The coaching staff is great. I'm, I'm looking at Mike Brown. I'm looking at Coach Triano. I'm looking at Doug Christie on that bench. So they have a lot of people in there that can t teach these guys how to win. 
and that's the biggest thing. But you, the, the thing that they have is best. They, they're when they're learning on experience. The young guys are getting opportunities to play. You're putting pieces together. This is a, a not electrifying offense, but they are very good offensively. They get up the floor quickly. They're shooting the ball well to a certain standpoint. But their past two games against the Knicks and the Sixers, you've seen it. They've had their struggles against some of the better teams, especially on the East Coast. Sixers just kicked their butt inside. Joel Embiid really, you know, he was a presence, and no one can stick him, so they had struggle. But now coming into tonight with a struggling Raptors team, we'll see what's going to happen. But this team is this team is coming along, and it's a surprise in the whole entire NBA. All right, uh, my final question here, I'm opening it up to uh, J Jesse Rubinoff to jump in on this. But yeah. uh, for those at home who don't know, uh, we okay. do have the advice of stylists available to us if we show, so please. And there are a lot of people around here who think they can dress. Is Alvin Williams, Jesse Rubinoff, in fact the best dressed dude at Sportsnet? I mean, look at him. Look at him today. I mean, Sean McKenzie's not going to be happy with that answer, but look at him. Yeah, I would just she, be very concerned. Sean McKenzie, like he's <laughs> acting like a model. Alvin dresses himself, right? Yeah. No, it's 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 an incredible outfit. I just you can't eat anything before tip off. That's what I'd be nervous about. Like no ketchup and mustard. When you put the turtleneck on, do you do you avoid big meals before game time? Well, guess what? I don't eat because guess what? Just me, and I'll keep it. I keep it PG. Just me. When I eat, I get a little Loaded. sleepy. And guess what? <laughs> My main man yeah. is right to the right of me. Come here, Coach. Coach Chigano, my main man. Hey, Look at my he's main man. Say hi for us. This, is my man. this is the man who saved my life, brought me back to Toronto. Oh. I, was, I was down and out in Philadelphia, and my man saved me. What's up, Tell brother? Tell him Tim McAuliffe and his, and his show we say hello. Tim, we on Tim and Friends right now. Oh, say what's up. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> How you doing? Hey, there. There's I'll Coach Tree. catch up with you. Want to do an interview? Oh. Tell me something about the Kings. Tell me about Kings. Well, how about we talk about Toronto? Talk about you. My favorite team still. Blue Jays and Maple Leafs. Okay. <laughs> hey, I, there the way I gotta be. I gotta Niagara be. Falls I'm, guy. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with no, you. I'm, I'm, I'm going. I'm enjoying Sacramento. It's, it's been great. Yeah. I, I didn't really want to leave Charlotte, but uh, when Mike Brown came, it was a, it was a great opportunity to go there and uh, love working with him. And we're trying to get things turned around there. Well, you guys are turning around. I saw Philadelphia, but you guys are doing well. But I, I just told him, and it's, it's no bull crap. Yep. I said, with you on the bench and my man Doug Christie and Mike Brown, you you're turning it around. Uh, I appreciate it, man. Appreciate Tell him we it. missed him. Thank you. That's my man right there. Tell him we missed him. That's out. my man. Thank you. There is. Uh, they said they miss you, Jay. <laughs> there is Coach Triano. Impromptu, huh? Shout Did you like out that? Niagara I'm Falls, Ontario. Thing, man. I'm getting better at this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Shirt, dress, and dropping bombs. Love it. Uh, thanks for doing this, Al. Always great catching up with you and seeing that game grow, homie. <laughs> thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. There is our Williams. We didn't get to the answer. You didn't get to big himself up because <laughs> honestly, and you know this, that was there, amazing. there are people who get dressed by other people around here and act like they got style. Al dresses himself you know all the time and it. purchases his own gear. Really? Oh, yeah. You know that for a fact? Yeah, I know that for a fact. That's incredibly You know, impressive. before Al started doing these big-time no, NBA know, games, know, know. he was working with lowly old me on the U Sports game. They won't let me call a pro game around here. Yeah. But, you know, when he was working those amateur games with Uncle Timmy, I, I saw firsthand this you dude just made can dress. You just made it known that you want to do a, a pro game. I think it's been known for a little while. Um, <laughs> did you see how Jay just uh, – 
like flip the switch flipped when he asked him the, yeah, the, the real question. Yeah, the real yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. Down head down. Yeah, yeah. How's Sacramento? <laughs> the, like, the other thing is, and I'm not sure if Coach Triano knew this, pull back the curtain a little bit. Yeah. Al was trying to tell him we're live on the air yeah. without saying we're live on the air. Yeah, he, did, he definitely didn't know. Yeah, I'm not sure that off. he knew, but no when way. he asked him the question, he was like, all right. Yeah. He probably thought he was now. testing it, something like that. But yeah. it was a great answer. <laughs> live TV, everybody. Is Everyone turning, thinks the show is taped. He's turning that the Kings is around. live yeah. right there. Alvin Williams, former player. Ah, he's a broadcaster now. Uh, latest episode of Serge. Serge Ibaka, also a broadcaster and an entertainer. How Hungry Are You? Presented by Samsung Bespoke is available now. Sportsnet.ca, Sportsnet Now, and YouTube. It features Ibaka's Bucks teammate, Drew Holiday. Here's a taste. Most overrated superstar in the NBA. <laughs> so do you Double me. Uh-uh. Come on, Drew. Don't play with me like this. Why are you going to trick me? Does Serge not look like a dude that you'd love to have a beer with? Maybe not eat the food that he wants to serve <laughs> you, but say, have a beer with? I was gonna, just, just a beer. Yeah. No food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no no food. food involved. Right. <laughs> Next week's episode uh, features Aaron Rodgers. A yeah, little Milwaukee connection. It'll debut Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern on Sportsnet after our show. All right, time for one last break. We'll get to game time before sending it to Hockey Central. We'll do that all next right here. Tim and Friends, live coast to coast on Sportsnet. Though you knew that from the Alvin Williams. Yeah, I knew out. Alvin didn't, wasn't going to eat before the game. <laughs> My biggest hope on this show is that your game day starts with Tim and Friends. And tonight we've got some good games for you to watch. Hockey Central coming your way next. All-Canadian doubleheader on Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey. Canadians and centers across the country followed by the Canucks and the Flames. Meantime, I'm telling you, this is a big game. Raptors hosting the Kings. You can see it on Sportsnet 1. As for us, it is game time. That's right. It's game time as we focus in on the games you will be watching tonight. The Ottawa Senators and the Montreal Canadiens. Mm -hmm. Coming up on Sportsnet yesterday at the NHL Board of Governors meetings, Commissioner Gary Bettman Give an update on the sale of the Sens. He said that more than a dozen potential bidders have signed non-disclosure agreements to view the team's books as part of the sale process. And he was asked about Ryan Reynolds' potential involvement. Bill and I actually met with Ryan Reynolds, who uh, uh, very much impressed us. And uh, if, if we can figure out a way to have him included, I think that would be great for the Senators, and I think that would be great for the league. He's very smart. Uh, he has a number of businesses besides the acting business, and he, he understands sports, and he understands promotion. I think he told us his followers on all his platforms combined are well over 100 million. So he's somebody who is uh, very popular and very engaged, and he's doing a great job with Wrexham. Well, Gary is a follower. Engagement on. farming here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to the Engagement welcome. Engagement farming. I, <laughs> I absolutely love that. Little does he know that none of his players have that kind of following. No, like that's it, one of. Crazy. If I were, if, if they were going to bring me into the NHL in any way, shape, or form, that would be the first. Like 
get some sort of social media engagement with your players. I mean, there are women soccer players who have double the following of some of the biggest names in all the game. I remember Jordan Heidema, you know, national team yeah. player, Canada, had more than Crosby and, com and McKinnon yeah. combined. Yeah, it's great. NHL needs to do a better job of that. By the way, Ryan Reynolds, sorry, he's going to own part of the team. Really? That, yeah, what, what, what I just heard him say, what, like, remember Jim Balsilli was trying to buy a team and he got his hand slapped? You, you don't go to the media and talk. You, Ryan Reynolds did the exact opposite. Yeah. He was in a box. He told people he was interested. He went on a show. And here's Gary putting arms around Ryan Reynolds because he knows it would help. The ownership group that wins that deal, I feel, will probably ask Ryan Reynolds to be a part of it Lord. because you need big money to get this done and what he's done with Wrexham I've said this on the show a bunch of things. the show was unbelievable I'm looking forward will to Rob McElhaney be in on this like mm -hmm. you I think you need both I don't think it can just be Reynolds even though McElhaney's a big Philly guy Philly. Yeah. whatever you can adopt you can adopt team? the centers yeah sure why not yeah it might be tougher for Philly him. Philly yeah it's hard for yeah. Philly uh okay the Sens are playing their best hockey of the year going six two and one in their last nine games do you think they can keep it up Okay, here are the numbers that worry me a little bit when it comes to the Ottawa Senators, and I highlighted them, I wrote them down. Mm -hmm. uh, their goals in this little stretch here, uh, tie 19th in the NHL, their power play goals first in the NHL, and their even strength goals are tied for 30th. What this tells me, Jesse, is that the power play is on fuego. That's wonderful. I don't know if it's sustainable. We'll have to see. Canucks, but some good news in the injury front. Yeah, no question. Canucks and Flames is the second game of our doubleheader. Calgary's Jacob Markstrom will make his second straight start for the first time in more than three weeks after Markstrom said, I suck at hockey, which was the quote. Earlier this month, the team gave him more than a week off, but he returned to start two of three games on the Flames' recent road trip, and he looked better, even though he didn't get a win. He's deserved better outcomes in his uh, last few starts, and... Um, you know, and, and we try to emphasize that we want to play for, for Marky. He's, he's, a, he's a great guy, a great leader on our team. And, um, you know, we, we just got to give him the run support. It's just, you know, you got to, there's no excuses. It, you know, you just got to find a way to get, get pucks in the net and, um, and lift a guy like that up because he, he's the reason that uh, we've been in a couple of the games. And, um, you know, he's, he's drawn some criticism in the media over the last month that, uh, that we don't feel was deserved. So, um, you know, it's on, on the players to pick him up. Criticism on the media. Yeah. He said, I suck yeah. at hockey yeah. right now. Exactly. Exactly. But uh, when goalies get hot, they can get hot. They get in the zone. Do you think he's back? I don't know if he's back, but I love what they've done. They're playing for him, and they played him against the Habs and the Jackets. Uh, 25th in the NHL in scoring, 28th in the NHL in scoring. Smart. Get him going. It's exactly what they tried to do, and I absolutely love it, because he is one of the better goaltenders in the game. When he's, when he's on, on, for sure. All right, that does it for us. Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey with Carolyn Cameron and the panel is coming up next right here on the network followed by an all-Canadian doubleheader. Thank you for watching and we hope that you'll join us again tomorrow.